0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Brian Post podcast. For those of you that have been following along, you know that we have been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be taking a look at chapter 4, verses 18 to 21, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump in with the text. Paul says, Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the words of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love and a spirit of gentleness? In the writings of the Apostle Paul to various Christian communities, he employs the phrase puffed up quite a bit. He doesn't use the phrase once, but multiple times. It's like a reoccurring theme in his, in his teachings. To understand what Paul means by being puffed puffed up here, it's necessary to examine the context in which he uses this phrase. At first glance, we w- we should think that Paul means by the words puffed up that he's, that some rather of the brothers and sisters in the Corinthian church had an, an inflated uh, opinion of themselves. The term puffed up is a translation of a Greek word which literally means to be inflated or swollen. So Paul likely uses uh, this expression to describe the individuals in the Corinthian fellowship with an inflated opinion of themselves, often characterized by arrogance, pride, and a a sense of self-importance. These individuals may think highly of their own spiritual knowledge, gifts, or achievements, leading them to look down on others and causing division within the community. So Paul addresses the notion of pride in the sense of spiritual superiority over others based on knowledge that one has. For instance, in Colossae, Paul warns about people who with confidence speak about things they know nothing about. In Colossians 2.18, he says, Let no one cheat you um, of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, Vainly puffed up in his fleshy mind, meaning they, they don't know what they're talking about. Paul warns against false humility here, where individuals might appear humble outwardly but are inwardly filled with pride and a false spirituality. However, two other times in this letter to the church at Corinth, Paul refers to or employs this phrase as being puffed up. Just a few chapters later, Paul says, um, he, he, he says that um, now concerning things offered to idols, we 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 know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, and if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. So in chapter 8 of this epistle, the apostle Paul points out that knowledge can lead to arrogance. He warns that accumulating knowledge just for the sake of knowledge can be dangerous because it can lead to pride and superiority. However, Paul points out that True spiritual growth comes through love and humility, not knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter, Paul makes a statement rendered in the King James Version as love is not puffed up. This means that when the Spirit of God is at work in a person's life, the fruit of that is not arrogance, nor does it carry an air of superiority, but it actually demonstrates genuine love and humility. He goes on to say that he, uh, he says, I I will know not the words of those that are puffed up, but the power. So, imagine a stunning and remarkable bird celebrated for its vibrant and shimmering feathers. This magnificent creature confidently struts about, holding its head high, proudly displaying its splendor. It it truly presents a captivating spectacle to behold. Its regal and elongated neck adds to its majestic appearance. While its head small, it's adorned with a crest of feathers, accentuating its overall magnificence, magnificence rather and the bird's eyes are dark and intense, eluding this sense of wisdom and mystery. As it moves along, the bird emits this, this distinct call. It's a combination of squawks and screeches, further adding to its grandeur and allure. But the most mesmerizing part of its display is its tail, forming an expansive, fan-like shape with an array of eyes that seems to peer back as if guarding secrets of the universe. The bird's typical description and behavior have inspired the English race proud as a peacock as we recognize the similarities in ourselves and others. The more successful a person becomes in any field, the greater the temptation to display pride. It's like pushing out our chest, expanding our arms to take up more space, literally. This behavior echoes the grand display of the peacock, and it's it's something we must be cautious about. And here, Paul is warning the Corinthians about uh, the temptation to pride. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul suggests Paul rather refers to the abundance of the demonstrations of the Spirit or manifestation of the Spirit within the Corinthian church and these spiritual gifts encompassed various abilities such as speaking in tongues, prophesying, healing and performing miracles. However evidence suggests that the misapplication or misunderstanding of these gifts contributed to the issues of pride and division within the Corinthian church. So Paul emphasizes that True spiritual authority and power come from God, not from one's inflated self-perception. Like the Corinthians, we must recognize any gifts or successes we may have are gifts from God. We must use them to serve and build up others rather than fuel our pride. So let us learn from their example and strive for humility and unity within our within our own communities. <clears throat> In the previous post, we've shared that we were raised as Jehovah Witnesses, but came into the Christian faith at the age of 15, where our first exposure to the gospel was in a charismatic church. We found the notion of God's active presence through the Holy Spirit in today's world, and the operation of spiritual gifts within the church particularly appealing compared to the theology of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. 1 Corinthians 12 became the foundation of our excitement about these demonstrative gifts of the Spirit operating within the church today. For us, power was always associated with the powerful demonstrations of the Holy Spirit based uh, we base this concept on Acts chapter one where, where Jesus instructed his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, promising that they would be that they would receive power. However, now we realize that whether influenced by the teachings we received or our own misunderstandings, we used to view power solely in the terms of the miraculous and not in terms of the character. Paul's statement that the kingdom of God is not in the world, and not in word rather, but in power, does not refer solely to the demonstrative gifts of the Spirit. The Corinthian church had experienced numerous testimonies and evidence of the Spirit's demonstrative power, yet Paul addressed them as spiritual babes. So this shows that God's movement through the church or group of people is not solely an indication of spiritual growth, but a testament of God's goodness and grace. Paul emphasized that any gift they received was given to them and not earned, so they should avoid pride and arrogance. While we acknowledge that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are indeed displays of God's power, we now understand that Paul refers not only to power demonstrations, um, but also to the power of the Holy Spirit to transform character. In our younger years, we sought God's power and prayed for it to be evident in our ministry. But in hindsight, our understanding of power and the kingdom of God was limited. Now with greater maturity, we no longer pray for the power to perform miracles or to move mountains. Instead, we seek the power to walk in humility, bless those who curse us, genuinely love others, and forgive those who have wronged us, no matter how grievous their actions or words may have been. Through our journey of spiritual growth and deeper understanding, we have come to value the transformation of our character through the power of the Holy Spirit more than seeking external demonstrations of power. We now strive to embody the qualities of Christ reflecting His love, forgiveness, and humility in our lives. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Post podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion and it's brought you some encouragement and insight. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest blogs, posts, and podcast episodes, be sure to visit BreeinPost.ca and subscribe. Don't forget to share our website with your friends who might need some inspiration or motivation. You can also join our community of bright Future Bible Freaks on Facebook. Until next time, may peace and blessings abound in your home.